Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu salam rasulullah. You're listening to Islam tomorrow. We're broadcasting almost live all the way from the city of Peoria, Illinois. Did you ever wonder why Illinois has an S at the end and then we never say it? I always wondered about stuff like that. Illinois. But if I say it like that, they'll get, get out of here. We know you're not from here. <laughs> this is your host, Yusuf Esses, National Muslim Chaplain. For the next few minutes, we're going to be entertaining some questions. Wait a minute. Entertaining. Why should I entertain those questions? They're not entertaining me. We'll just look at them and decide about what's the answer. First question. We've been talking, by the way, on the subject of understanding Islam and the Muslims. And so logically, there should be some questions from this, from our audience who are not Muslim. It says here, how does the devil whisper in our hearts and how can we stop it? I think a Muslim asked that one because that's exactly what Allah describes in the Quran, wiswas, which means to whisper. This word wiswas is the whispering into the hearts of mankind. And Allah said in the Quran, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. Qul a'udhu bi rabbin nas malikin nas ilahin nas min shiril waswasul khannas Allah the you was with zufi sudur nas minul jinnati wan nas Is that pretty close? Every Muslim by the way memorizes the Quran in the Arabic language Every Muslim alive is memorizing Portions or all of the Quran. There's no Muslim that I met anywhere in the world that doesn't know at least the first few lines, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, or a few surahs in the original Arabic language. This means, by the way, the translation of what I read, more or less, say. Now, this is like when you find in the book of Ezekiel when it's telling the prophet Ezekiel what to say. Say, O son of man. That's how God addressed Ezekiel. And this is how he addresses Muhammad. Say, O Muhammad, I seek refuge with the Lord of man. With the God of man. The king of mankind and the Elah, God of mankind. From the evil of the whispering whisperer, when he whispers into the hearts of man. Because this is exactly describing what the devil does. The Bible tells us that the author of confusion is the devil. This is what the Muslims believe too. Same religion really. What do I do? You do what I just did. You read this verse. That's what God said. Say it. So say it. Read this verse. And you might not know this. Maybe even some Muslims don't know this. But there are certain verses in the Quran that if you read them, the devil takes a hike down the road. We proved that without a doubt one time. There were some people carrying on in the most evil way. I don't want to tell you what all they were doing. Carrying on on the other side of a wall where some Muslims were. And I said, guys... No sense going over trying to stop these people because they'll just turn on us. Let us recite this verse called Ayatul Kursi. And we did. 
And while I was reciting it, I was reciting pretty loud. All of a sudden, it got really quiet. They broke up and they left. And that's not the only example. There are many examples of that. But for those who would like to know, the recitation of the Qur'an, even if you're not a Muslim, works. Even if you're not a Muslim, the recitation of the Qur'an in Arabic language works. I'd like to give you a lot more about that, but let's do it this way. Write down my email address and I'll tell you about the details for it. AskIslam at AOL.com A-S-K-I-S-L-A-M at AOL.com It's a good question. So what's the relationship or difference between God and Allah? Are they the same? Yes and no. Yes, they're the same and no, the relationship isn't the same. The reason is because a person could be a human being. They are human beings, right? But they could be from different countries. But they're still human beings, right? Elah and God are the same word. But the word Allah is not in the English language because English is not strong enough to handle it. Now that sounded facetious, didn't it? Ah, ah. Well, I'll ask you a question. When you're talking about anything worshipped, according to Funk and Wagnall, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, when you're talking about an object that's worshipped, is it called a God, yes or no? And when you're talking about the one true God who has no partners, is not like those little fake idols, is it also called the God? What's the difference? Big G. How do I know if you're talking to me? I can't see the big G. You'd have to say, God, big G, said to Jesus or Muhammad or, right? And those gods, little g, that's the only way I would know. And then what if you're writing and you're starting a sentence, you have to use a big G. But you meant the little G. Now what are you going to do? So Elah is anything worshipped, but Allah is God's name. And it means the only one to be worshipped. Because Allah has no plural to it. It can't be made plural. And Allah also can't have gender. Can't be male or female. The reference to He... In the Arabic, to Allah is out of respect or dignity instead of saying it. And also, the plural which you find through the Quran, we created mankind, it says real clear, khalaqno, which means we created. Does not mean we in the sense of more than one. And I'll give you an example from English. The king or the queen give a decree, they say we decree the following. It's not we. It's one king. It's royal we. If you still didn't catch that, it's also in regular language when we speak to each other. If I'm speaking to a group of people, I say you are my friends. And I hope you are. Uh, you are my friends. But if I'm just speaking to you directly, I say you still are my friend, right? I don't say you is my friend, do I? No. Why did I have a plural? Because anything else singular would be is. Is that true? This is, that is, he is, she is. 
but you are. Why? It's respect. That's all. And why don't I say I is? Because am is also the correct plural form, not meaning plural in number, but it's the royal form. The way you address yourself and you're the one you're speaking to is putting them on a high level. That's all. Got it? So Allah means the only one to be worshipped. And it's God's name at the same time. So the word God in English needs help. Big G, little G. There are no capital letters in Hebrew. There are no capital letters in Aramaic that Jesus spoke, peace be upon him. And there's no capital letters in Arabic either. It means that when you read the scripture, you have to know the form of the word so you know what it says. And the word in the Hebrew in the Old Testament says Elohim is exactly like Allahumma and it is plural in the sense of respect. And it's calling on God, oh God. But it doesn't mean plural. Okay. Next one. What does Islam think of Jesus and Christianity? Well, we're going to do the word thing again. There's no word in Arabic, Jesus. There's no word in Hebrew, Jesus. There's no word in Aramaic, Jesus. There's no word, Jesus, in Koine Greek. Those were the choices of language back at the time of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. There was a word, still is, by the way, Isa and Yeshua, which Joshua comes from Yeshua. The word Joshua, the name Joshua, is exactly the same as Jesus. And Jesse is the same root. I have a book of names at home and that's what it says. Same root. The pronunciation of J is Latinizing these Semitic languages. My name is Yusuf. Can you guess what it is in English? Put a J there. Joseph. Joseph. Ah! It's my father's name, Joseph. So that's how I have to clear that first. We have somebody in the Quran named Isa. Isa ibn Maryam, and ibn means the son of, and Maryam is Mary. Jesus, the son of Mary. Now, the story that we have is a story about a virgin girl from a religious family. The family has dedicated her to the temple, to the, not pagan temple, but to the synagogue. They thought they were going to have a boy, but it was a girl, and still they said, well, we want our girl to be this donation that we promised to give our child to God. This girl has amazing things that happen to her. They find her with food out of season, the best foods, and they can't figure out how she's getting it. An angel visits her and tells her she's going to have a baby. And she said, how is this possible when no man has ever touched me? And she's even telling the angel, stay back away from me. If you fear God, get away from me. And he said, no, no, I'm an angel. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a baby. And how is this possible when no man has touched me? And the angel says, for God, all these things are easy. He merely says, be, and it is. And this is the miracle birth. The Immaculate Conception is accepted in Islam. It's part and parcel of Islam. It's in the Quran. No Muslim can deny it. 
Many miracles are coming with Isa ibn Maryam. The first miracle is he speaks and defends his mother while he's still a tiny baby. And they said, how can a baby talk? But he spoke to him and said, peace be upon me the day I'm born. Peace be upon me the day that I die and peace be upon me on the day that I'm resurrected. I've never been undutiful to my mother. And he describes then the condition of belief that there's only one God. Worship has to be for God. This is the baby telling him about this. And then other miracles are assigned to him in the Quran. People who have skin diseases are cured. Lepers are cured. The lame walk again. The blind can see. And even the dead man is brought back to life. All by the permission of Almighty God. Similar to the Gospel of John, if you read it, it says the same thing. What does Islam say about Christianity? It says that when Jesus came, that he was preaching the same message as the people of following the Abrahamic faith. That God is one and he has no partners. And that the worst sin is to break the first commandment, thou shalt not have any other gods beside me. When I was a Christian preacher, some people asked me some questions I couldn't answer. So I went to somebody who I knew I had a lot of answers. He was a famous evangelist in our area. I won't mention his name, and he'll be just as happy that I wouldn't. But he told me, don't worry about what the Old Testament says, because it was about eating pork and some of the other commandments mentioned in the Old Testament. You can't eat pork. He said, Jesus came to cancel the law and the Old Testament. We go by the New Testament. I said, why are we carrying this heavy book around? Just rip all that old part away and just keep the New, the new Testament. Even with the 16 books in there that Paul wrote, still pretty small. But then one day I read it for myself. This is something a lot of Christians don't bother to do. Read it for yourself. Because it says in chapter 5 of the book of Matthew... Verses 17, 18, 19, that Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law, the Torah, the Old Testament. Don't think I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I came not to destroy but to fulfill. And not until the coming of the kingdom and all things be accomplished shall a single dot, jot, tittle, iota of the law be in any wise lessened. And whoever breaks the least commandment and teaches this will be the least in the kingdom. But whoever keeps the commandments and teaches this will be the highest in the kingdom. And unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter paradise. And the Pharisees were the leaders of the synagogue, the Jewish religion at that time. They're the same ones who later got the Romans to come out and go after Jesus, peace be upon him, at Gethsemane. So, our view of Christians. I want to quote to you from the Quran in English only right now. It's in chapter 3, verse 110, the last part. It said, and if the people of the book had believed... It would have been better for them. 
From them you will find those who do have faith. They're believers. But most of them are disobedient to God. I asked some of my former Christian friends. They were still friends, but I was former Christian, so I should have said it the other way. I asked some of my Christian friends whom I used to be with. Maybe I should have said that way. Is that a true statement? Do you consider that some of the Christians are believers? They said, sure. I said, but that most of them are disobedient? They said, yep, absolutely. And think about it. First commandment, don't have any other gods beside God. Second commandment, don't make any idol statues or anything that flies in the air above, walks on the earth beneath, or swims in the sea beneath that. Can't do that. Does that include the dove, the bird of peace? Does it include the fish? I will make you fishers of men. And you see it on the back of the car. Does it include having a statue of a man hanging there with a cross or something? Does it include that? Think. Third commandment says that you won't take God's name in vain. Do people do that? Fourth commandment to remember the seventh day of the week, Saturday. Sabbath. Sabbath means what? Seven. It's Jewish for seven. It's also Arabic for seven. Three hundred years later at the Council of Nicaea, they said, no, change it to Sunday. Who has the authority to break God's commandments? Not Jesus didn't say that. Paul did. Paul said it. He said you can break commandments. In fact, he said circumcision is only of the heart. So they don't have to do circumcision anymore. And pork and wine and all these things became okay for Paul. But not for Jesus. In seminary school, you learn what they call Pauline doctrine. And you find out why. Because the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do not in any way, shape, or form match up with what Paul is talking about. Concepts different. Considered two different doctrines. Islam teaches us that Christians in the original form following the original book at the time of Jesus are the best of the believers. And those who followed Abraham at his time and Moses at his time and David at his time and Solomon at his time are the best of the believers. And Islam teaches us Jesus will come back in the last day and lead the true believers to victory. And I hope all of us are there. If it happens, I hope all of us are with him. That's my prayer. And then we have another one. Ah. A lot of argument about evolution and intelligent design. Do you know, how many of you heard about intelligent design? It's called ID. This is now a buzzword with the scientists. Dr. Fatima Jackson the professor of anthropology at Maryland University was on my television show twice. And I wish we'd had time to do more shows because she's very intelligent and she studied this in big detail. I wish you could see the show. Because she breaks it down and shows us a lot of things that the anthropologists know and have been saying right along but the people that publish curriculum play with it and say something else. 
There is no basis for this idea that humans came from monkeys. Nowhere in science. But it wasn't until the Muslims brought the scientists together and they did the videos that I just told you about. It was right after that that the scientist world came up with this word intelligent design. Because they had nowhere else to go. I wish you'd look at it and see for yourself. I have to tell you that I wish I could be with you all night, but we have to close down the program. So please use the internet and write to me and be patient with me. I travel a lot and it's difficult sometimes to get access to the internet. But I'll try my best. Ask Islam at AOL.com. Send us some email. Visit our websites. Visit our chat room. That's a good way to meet Muslims and learn more about Islam and understand the Muslims. And by the way, we're not trying to recruit Muslims. We're not trying to convert you to be Muslims. If you want to, that's for your own good. If you don't, it's your choice. The most important part about Islam is choice. If you don't do something by choice, God doesn't accept it anyway. So I ask him to have mercy on the believers and guide all of the people to the truth. And if you believe what I just said and you agree, say Amen. And until next time, Salam Alaikum.